Hello and welcome into this week's edition of the Rookie Stripes Podcast here on Racing News Now. I'm Garth Allen, and that is the one and only Mr. Tyler Guthrie. What's going on? We had a really busy weekend this week for the Indianapolis area. We did. Uh, lots of racing and uh, lots of good racing at that, some of which I was privy to seeing in person. Uh, Tyler was not, unfortunately, because Tyler's not cool like that. But... Yep. <laughs> But either way, um, yeah, lots, lots happening this weekend. Trucks and ARCA doubleheader at IRP, IndyCar, Xfinity, and Cup all at IMS. And then, of course, SRX at Eldora, which is not really in the area, but it's not far from Indy. So Close kind enough, of the same counts. thing. Huh? Close enough. It counts. Yeah. It's the we'll thought adopt, that counts. We'll, we'll adopt Eldora. It's fine. Oh, will we? Even though it's in a, a different state? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I just think it's funny, like in, amidst all this NASCAR controversy about should we stay on the road course? Should we go to the oval? Like should the oval attendance sucked, but the road course sucks to race on. Then the road course decided to have a good race. <laughs> I just think it's funny. Right. Well, I did see earlier today that Elton Sawyer said that the oval is 100 percent on the table for next year, um, yeah. which I mean, I've been hearing for months now, so I'm not surprised by but. No, that doesn't um, surprise me at all. I just hope they do kind of like a doubleheader weekend or something where they can do the oval and the road course the same weekend. I think the issue with that is possible, it, but it'd be cool. I don't know that the track wants to do it, though, because that would be a lot of work changing from the road course to the oval and maybe back, depending on how the schedule works. Because um, there's been talk about um, doing that at charlotte maybe doing like a roval and an oval weekend um and apparently charlotte doesn't want to do that because it would be too much work yeah charlotte you got to set up too much stuff for for indy all you really got to do is knock down the pit lane wall and that's about it yeah so i mean yeah it it might be a little more possible i don't know i don't know if ims would be willing to do it or not it would be kind of cool um, cause obviously you couldn't have the brickyard on Indy 500 weekend. So, um, right. you couldn't just do an oval double header weekend. And I don't know that IndyCar would want to go to the oval twice now. So yeah, I, I think that would be the only way to still do a crossover weekend would be IndyCar on the roval and maybe do IndyCar and Xfinity on the roval and then cup on the oval. Um, yeah, or honestly, just give Xfinity back to IRP. <laughs> it's going to be better that way anyway. Um, I did hear when I was at IRP this weekend that IRP is 100% working on upgrading everything to entice a cup race there. Oh. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I would love to see a cup race at IRP. That would be fantastic. They would need to upgrade their media center, though, because there was... It was pretty packed this weekend as is, and the cup media wasn't there for the most part. I mean, like, Pachris was there, Toby Christie was there, Lee Spencer was there, and that was about it for people that cover cup. So the amount of extra media that would be there, there, there's just not room for it. So they definitely have to, they'd have to upgrade that in some way. But yeah, and you definitely have to upgrade the stands because there's not enough stands there for a cup-level crowd. But um yeah, it, it definitely apparently is in the works. They're trying to do everything they can. They've added a new um, entrance road between um, the Reagan Expressway and that road that goes along the west side of the track. Because okay. there's not an exit off of Reagan onto 136 um, there on the north side of the track. Oh, that's convenient. So, Yeah, so they've added this little access road that's like four lanes with a turn lane in the middle. So it's like five lanes total. Um between that West Road and Reagan, trying to like help the traffic flow. Yeah, it's nice to see them do some infrastructure expansion like that, and hopefully, over the next couple of years, we can see a cup race back there. I've never been to IRP. It looks back like there. A, you mean you mean a cup race for the first time? That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I say that? Whatever. Anyway, yeah. it'd be cool to see Cup there. Um, I've never been to IRP, so I don't really... Oh, you're missing out. I, I know. I need to go at some point. But, yeah, it seems like a cool track, and every time I, like, actually watch a race on it, I'm like, oh, why aren't we here more often? <laughs> right? 
I mean, IRP, I, th- I think everybody knows this at this point. IRP is my favorite track. Always has been. IRP is goaded. You will never convince me there's a better track than IRP. I love that track so much. Um, I want Cup there. I mean, honestly, I would take Cup there at the expense of not going back to IMS. Yeah, I just wish there was a way we could get IRP and IMS to coexist, because I think mm-hmm. the IMS is obviously one of the most historic tracks on the planet, and I just think it's a shame that NASCAR and F1 don't really want a whole lot to do with it. Um, I mean, I know it's an IndyCar thing, but it's just as far as racing history goes, there should be racing on that track more often than just in May. I don't know that it's that NASCAR doesn't want anything to do with it. F1 clearly doesn't anymore, but NASCAR has really tried to make that IMS weekend work, and it's just it's been terrible racing for so long. I mean, if they really didn't want to make IMS work, when they realized the oval wasn't working, they would have just left IMS and not tried the road course thing. Like they really want to make IMS work. I mean, they want it to be a crown jewel race. They kind of forced it into being a crown jewel when the racing really wasn't that spectacular. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know that it's NASCAR doesn't want to be there. It's just a matter of them figuring out how to make good racing there. Yeah, I like the I like NASCAR on the road course there. IndyCar's gotten kind of old already because we're going there two to three times a year. But mm-hmm. I think NASCAR on the road course it's a pretty good track for them. And it's one of the more flat tracks that we can get with the current cup car. But at the same time, I would rather see the cup series go to a road course that actually has some history in the U.S. Like, I don't know, Laguna Seca or Mm -hmm. Portland or something like that. I mean, we already go to Portland half the time or even go to Montreal. That'd be cool, too. Um I, I like the road that course. That apparently is on the table for next year. I know. I'm very excited <laughs> to see that happen. I like the road course, but it's just kind of... We should be on the oval if we're going IMS, and if the oval racing sucks, figure it out. Yeah. Well, from what I heard this weekend, uh, the ARCA schedule isn't even close to being done next year because the NASCAR schedule isn't done for next year yet. NASCAR's still trying to figure out exactly how they're schedule is going to line up next year so i think i think next year might finally be that year they've been promising for like three or four years now that they're going to blow up the schedule and make it completely different i think next year might finally be that year where we see a lot of new things on the nascar schedule yeah it's exciting to see something different i know a lot of nascar fans just want it to be the same thing it's been for the last 30 years but you got to expand it uh, motorsport everywhere is declining and you got to get into new markets and try new stuff. Cause the same old thing isn't working anymore. Well, see, and that's the thing. And, and they've been trying new things and they've been successful at it. Like, look at, look at the street race at Chicago. That was a massive success. Great mm-hmm. race, great attendance. Most of the people that showed up weren't NASCAR fans before that. So having a great race and doing something different, you're converting new NASCAR fans the clash at the Coliseum this year wasn't as great as last year. Last year was a really good race, but they've shown they can make these temporary tracks and make a good track out of them at these places that really wouldn't be a racetrack otherwise. So they've shown over the last few years that they can dip out of the NASCAR box and try new things and for the most part have been successful at it. So that's the thing to grow and expand. You've got to try new things because if you just do the same thing continuously year after year and don't change, people will get bored with it and you're just going to fade into obscurity. NASCAR has got to be innovating and trying new things to not only keep their current fans, but to pull in new fans as well, like they did with the Chicago street race. And like, I'm sure they've done to a lesser extent with the clash at the Coliseum too. Yeah, and we've seen this problem with IndyCar the past, I don't know, decade or two. They have not done anything new other than IMS Road Course in Nashville in a really long time, while mm-hmm. at the same time losing a whole bunch of former staples like Fontana and Michigan and stuff like that. And they only have, like, what, 14 races or something like that, or 14 different tracks that we actually something go to? Like that, yeah. I mean, 
we got to do something different. We got to try go back to Brazil or something like that. I have heard rumors that um, Interlagos might be in the works for the next couple of years for IndyCar. Okay. Which would be awesome. That would be a really cool track for IndyCar. That yeah. track's almost still cool for F1, so I can't imagine how good IndyCar would be on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, got to try something different. They've done a good job with Nashville. And I guess the pain to me is like every time IndyCar does do something different, it ends up being really popular and very successful. I mean, we've seen the IMS road course. They decided to do that before the 500 one week or one year just to, you know, put something different in the month of May. That's been very successful and draws pretty much the same crowd every year. Um, Nashville's super successful. Everybody likes that, I guess, now, now that we're not crashing all the time. Yeah. Um, I thought people liked it because they were crashing. God, that was miserable. (laughs) Um, But yeah, now we're doing Nashville for the season finale. I mean, every time IndyCar does something different, it's good. We just don't do anything different. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I I think in this case, they probably could take a page out of NASCAR's book and try some different things. I mean, IndyCar, that's the thing with IndyCar, though. Their racing has been so good the last few years. I don't necessarily blame them for getting lulled into the mindset of we don't have to do anything new. The racing will speak for itself. I mean, yes, to an extent it will, but at the same time, if you're not doing anything new and you're not going to new markets, you're not showing yourself off to new fans, all you're doing is showing that good racing to your existing fans, which, let's be honest, IndyCar does not have a huge fan base right now, at least comparatively to the other major forms of motorsports. So they've really got to do something. That doesn't mean completely blow up their schedule and not go back to any of their staples, not do the Indy 500, not do Long Beach, not do Nashville, not those kind of things. But they've got to try something new, go to different markets, try a different kind of race, add some more ovals, whatever they can do to get themselves in front of more fans. They've tried to do that in other ways, like with 100 Days to Indy, but I think they need to do it with the racing product as well. Yeah, the racing product is insane most weeks. I mean, this is like the 15th or whatever time we've gone to Indy Road Course, and it's been a different race almost every time we've gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the on-track product. It's just we're not getting it to the amount of people that we need to. And I don't really know how to get to those markets within the U S because I mean, NASCAR has got ovals in almost every major city in the country, but IndyCar is trying to do road courses. And I mean, I like Barber and road America and stuff like that, but those are not big markets. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, and that's like what we were talking about. Um, I think that was a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Chicago street race, how, they replaced Road America with Chicago Street Race. Um, no, we were talking about that, how you were talking about IndyCar needed to go to new markets. And you were talking about Road America's a great track and they should go to Road America, which I agree with, but you're right. There's no market there. Like, it's out in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Like, to get a good amount of people there, they've got to travel a decent distance. And that's the problem with a lot of the tracks in IndyCar schedule. Like, look at Iowa. There is nothing around there. It's not even that close to Des Moines. It's like an hour from Des Moines. So, and they're trying to spice it up with these concerts. And it, I, they just need to go to some tracks with some bigger markets. And if that means maybe having one or two races that aren't as good per year, but they draw in some more fans and some new fans, that might be the way to do it. Or even just do more races. IndyCar Mm -hmm. has by far the shortest schedule of any major form of motorsport right now. We're still under 20 races, and I think F1 just expanded to over 20. So It's pretty bad when ARCA has a longer schedule than IndyCar. (laughs) Yeah, right? And I understand they're like trying to keep costs down for all the teams and different things like that, but you have to have more racing than like literally less than half the year. We're coming up to the season finale in about a month for IndyCar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I will give them credit. 
they do keep the cost down pretty well. I know I saw something from Roger Penske a couple of years ago where he said that he spends less to put three championship-level Indy cars on track than he does to put one championship-level NASCAR on the track. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good series to just get into and participate, but we got to start stepping it up somewhere, and I don't know, South America is a giant market for IndyCar right now. Um, maybe try something in Europe, something like that. Um, there's good tracks everywhere, and we have space in the schedule to fill it out. We got a whole month at the beginning of the season where we had the season opener before the next race. They they can figure it out. I I have hope with Roger Penske in charge that we can get something together and go somewhere, do some new stuff, but yeah. <laughs> well, and especially now that it looks like NASCAR is going international next year as well. Like you gotta you gotta do something to compete with that because you don't want NASCAR to just completely overshadow you as the main form of motorsport in America. You gotta compete there on some level. because uh, I I think it's pretty much a given that NASCAR is going international with at least one race this year. Cause I saw a few weeks ago where they had told everybody in the industry to make sure their passports were up to date for next year. Oh, so nice. yeah. So I think that should be a sign that I think at least Montreal is coming and there may be something in Mexico coming too. NASCAR IndyCar doubleheader twin ring, twin wing Motigi. <laughs> that would be cool. That'd be super cool. Mm -hmm. I wish that's stuff. I wish IndyCar still did. I mean, we did that for a long time and now we just don't for whatever you, reason. You know what I hope happens if, if we do go to Montreal next year and maybe Mexico, what I think would be really cool for those races is that they make um, them a companion weekend with Montreal, with the Pinty series and Mexico, wherever they go in Mexico, Mexico city or wherever, Make that with the, what is it, the NASCAR Peak Mexico Series, I think is what the series is yeah. called. Um, make those combo races to highlight those series. Because from what I've seen, those two series put on very good racing, and they're not mm -hmm. very well known in America. Like, Pinty Series is a little bit more known. You can watch the Pinty Series on Flow Racing. So, I think there's more people that know about the Pinty series and the Mexico series. It is very hard to find those Mexico series races in America. I have tried to, and they are very hard to find. Uh, but from what I've seen, the racing is very good with those as well. So hopefully when NASCAR goes international next year, I don't think it's an if at this point, when they go international, hopefully they're there with the Pinty's and or the Mexico series to highlight those series. Yeah, some cross-promotion would be cool there. Those series could get their local fans involved in NASCAR and vice versa. Um, doesn't NASCAR have a couple series like that, like in South America, too? I don't know about in South America. There's a Euro series. I know there's a Euro uh, series. I just thought there was like one that raced in Brazil and Argentina or something. There might be, and I, if there is, I don't know about it. So, or, or I've forgotten about it. So there might be, I don't know. That's a good I'm glad question. We've gotten like a little bit of influx from Australian V8 supercars recently. Mm -hmm. Scott McLaughlin coming to IndyCar and a couple different guys going to NASCAR because that is a ridiculously good series. And I would love mm -hmm. to see that get some popularity, maybe even get them over here at some point. You know, what's funny is I knew that series existed, but I had never paid a bit of attention to it until SVG showed up at Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they it's a really good series and like I've seen random highlights from them every once in a while, but it was always just kind of that's their corner of the world. Their mm -hmm. drivers are just they're all over there. We don't know if they're good against our guys or not. And then McLaughlin comes over here, hops in a car he's never been in before and wins like his second season, like the first race of his second season or something. Mm -hmm. And then you know, SVG comes out and wins his first NASCAR race in Chicago, which granted that is basically the same car he drives in Australia. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it's good to see different drivers doing different things and it's exciting for motorsport because we never would have seen this 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. but I mean, the best thing we got back then was Jeff Gordon tested a Williams F1 car at IMS. Juan Pablo Montoya hopped in a NASCAR 
and the Lewis Hamilton and Tony Stewart swap at Watkins Glen, but that was never, you know, going to be an actual race. We were never mm-hmm. going to see people hop in each other's cars. And it's really fun to see now. And we're getting expanded to different forms of motorsport. And regardless of your opinion of other motorsports around the world, looking at some certain NASCAR fans, <laughs> just have an open mind. It's all racing. It's all, it, it, it's like any other sport. It's all sports. It's all fun. Let's have some fun and enjoy everything else. Well, and speaking of SVG, let's let's talk a little bit about this weekend because he was in two of the races this weekend in Indy. He ran his first oval race ever on Friday night in the 41 truck for Nice. He didn't set the world on fire. Not at all. In fact, most of the night ran outside the top 20. But ended the night strong, uh, finished in 20th night. 19th 20th? I thought it was 19th. Might have been 19th. It was let me let me double check on that because I'm I thought it was 19th, but you may be right. Uh yes, 19th. Um so not the greatest night, but here's the thing. A lot of that truck race, I sat in the media center and I specifically watched him because I wanted to see how he was doing on an oval. Was he making mistakes every other lap? Was he hitting the right line? Was he did he look like he knew what he was doing on an oval? And I think the answer to that is yes. He was constantly learning throughout the night, constantly improving. He was making smart passes. He made some dumb moves here or there, but that's to be expected on a type of racing that you've never done before in your life. So, yes, he made some mistakes, but those were by far cleared up by the end of the race, and he was very smooth at the end of the race, was picking off a couple positions at the end, and finally cracked his way into the top 20 at the end and finished 19th. So there is some promise there. Does he need to improve before he gets thrown into a cup car? Absolutely. Um, I think he is going to be in a cup car eventually, but he definitely needs some improvement there. But I don't remember if this was you I was talking about with this or somebody else, but somebody was telling me that really, if you think about it, all he would need to do if he's that good on the road road and street courses is he's just got to win a couple of those in the regular season to make the playoffs and just get really good at Phoenix. Oh yeah, that was tough. and 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 he could be the champion. Yeah. So <laughs> there is that, but I think he wants to be more than that and he wants to be a little more well-rounded than that. So he's got some work to do to get better on the ovals. There's a good base there. Um and but there's definitely some room for improvement. I see the potential there and I see him at some point possibly being able to win an oval race. I don't know if he'll necessarily get to that point in the cup series, but I could see him winning a truck or Xfinity race on an oval. Definitely. And I could see him being competitive on ovals in the cup series enough to where he can be a legit championship threat in the right equipment in the cup series. Yeah. And I think the precedent's already been set. Like I said, with Scott McLaughlin and IndyCar, Yes, he's good on or on uh, road courses because that's just that's bread and butter for him. Mm-hmm. But he was able to come over and step into a completely different car and be competitive on ovals within a year of starting. And I think that's more of a testament to Penske as an organization for being able to help him. And I think that's what SVG is going to need if he comes into Cup Series. You got to have a team behind you because. Yes, pretty much anybody can drive on an oval and figure out how to just drive the track, but to be able to adjust to the changing conditions and different points in the race and being able to figure out strategy and all that, you need a team behind you. And I think if you get a team behind pretty much any of these supercars guys that really know oval racing, they can figure it out and be competitive. And I think Scott McLaughlin set that precedent. I don't think McLaughlin speaks for every VA supercars driver ever, but I don't think any of the rest of them are too far off from the benchmark that he set. No, I I think you're exactly right. Um, And just look at what SVG did on Sunday. I think a lot of people got their expectations too high since he went out and won Chicago that they're like, oh, he's got to go out and win at Indy because otherwise he, it was just a fluke. No, he still ran well, Um, Still ran top 10 in the cup race, still finished 10th. And if you look through the finishing order, he was by far the best 
ringer in that race. Mm -hmm. The next closest ringer in that race was his V8 supercar cohort, Brody Kostecki, in 22nd in an RCR car. So the fact that SVG could still pull a top 10 out and none of these other ringers could even pull out a top 20 should well, should tell fair, you that that there is something there to be fair the rest of them did have to deal with the uh moving pinball of Ricky Stenhouse Jr the whole freaking day the the red white and blue wrecking ball yeah yeah i i've seen some memes going around that um Ricky just decided that he didn't want any international drivers in his american race which I thought was kind of funny, given uh, how... Ricky Stenhouse uh, keeping up the American foreign relations with... The, yeah, right? Gosh. Ricky's out here trying for, to start World War Three. I can't wait for when we go to other countries and Ricky Stenhouse just decides to, like, fling the car into the flag stand or something. Right? America <laughs> 1776, we are the champs! The only championship he's ever going to get. I'm sorry if if you're somebody that liked that, but personally, I think that was one of the dumbest things anybody's ever said in a post-race interview. It made him sound so out there. Yeah, unfortunately, when people think about NASCAR, that's still what they think of for the most mm -hmm. part. So thank you for keeping up the stereotype there, Ricky Yeah, right? <laughs> God. What a oh, rated yeah. driver. Like And it was multiple times this weekend, and it was like every one of these international drivers he came up on, like, I think Rockenfeller was the first one that he spun, and then he wrecked Kobayashi at one point going into turn one from like 10 Kobe. car lengths back. Huh? He just deleted Kobayashi. Yeah. The funny thing is, Rockenfeller came back and finished ahead of him. <laughs> well, Rockenfeller was 24th Stenhouse, and Ricky was 25th. You know you're a amazing driver when the only place you can actually do well on is a super speedway. But he's in the playoffs. Is he really? He won the Daytona 500. No, oh, he did. I mean, to be fair, he would actually be in the playoffs on points right now regardless. He's had a better season. Uh, because currently he is, he's 16th. In overall points right now, he's 10 points ahead of Daniel Suarez. So he would still be in the playoffs right now on points, regardless of that Daytona 500 win. Okay, so he's solidly within the top half of current cup drivers. Yeah. Nice. Right. Yeah, that that's one of my biggest complaints with the playoffs is I, I feel like there's too many drivers in there. Like, it doesn't really show off the best of the best when... You've got guys that can run 15th to 20th every week and still make the playoffs. Well, we only have, what, 36 to 38 cars every week, and 16 of them make the first round of the playoffs. Like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, on to, uh, we haven't talked about IRP ARCA yet, so let's talk about that. That was actually a surprisingly good race. I don't know how well it translated on TV. I haven't watched the broadcast Knowing Fox, it probably didn't translate well. But for literally the first probably 50, 60 laps of the race, uh, before we got to the break, or well, before we got to the first caution, this was before the break, there was a solid 40 to 50 laps where Jesse Love and William Sawalich were side-by-side -side going for the lead. Sawalich was clearly faster than Jesse, but he couldn't get around him because Jesse would just park it in the middle lane in the preferred line. So Wallach would dive it down to the bottom, but he could never get enough of a run on the bottom to actually make the pass. So these two literally were either side-by-side -side or nose-to-tail for a solid 40 to 50 laps. Fantastic battle for the lead until it was probably lap 50 or 60. Hang on, I'll, I'll pull up the... Uh, the the caution report for the race and i'll tell you exactly what lap it was oh, um let's see here lap 58 so almost 60 laps of this basically um Sawalich finally got a really good run on Jesse through one and two. Clears him down the backstretch. Jesse pulls a crossover, gets back alongside of him, and then they come up on the lapped car of Zachary Tinkle. 
Jesse is going to use Tinkle as a pick. Well, the problem is Sawalich didn't let out off a of four and just drove straight into Tinkle and turned him. That pretty well screwed up Sawalich's race because that punched a big hole in the nose and he was never quite as fast after that. So, more or less, that handed the race to Jesse, but Luke Finhouse made a very good run late in the race, in fact, took the lead late, and was driving off with it until the big controversy of the race happened. I've seen a lot of talk on social media. I'm not going to put out an opinion on this because I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what happened here. I, I'm not in Connor Jones's head. Connor Jones spins Christian Rose in turns one and two to bring out the caution with 15 laps to go. Fenhouse was driving away at this point. I think he had over a second lead. Jesse was not going to catch him in the final laps of the race. It was going to be a Luke Fenhouse win, which would have been really cool because a stat that uh, was provided by the ARCA propaganda minister himself, Charlie Crawl, in the media center. Um, if Luke Fenhouse had won, he would have been the first driver since Brandon Jones in 20... Was it 2013 or 2014? I don't remember the year. To win his first two main ARCA starts. And he would only have been the third driver in the modern era to do it. The only other one was Alex Bowman. So, that would have been really cool to see. Except, Connor Jones wrecks Christian Rose. They set up for a restart. They go green with 10 laps to go. And Jesse gets... A really good jump on the start. Some people say that he jumped the start. Jesse gets a good jump on the start, takes the lead into turn one, drives away, wins his third straight race, his seventh win in 12 races so far in the main Arkham Menard Series season, absolutely running away with this. Great. <laughs> I love Arca being dominated by two guys. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, Jesse's a good dude. I like Jesse a lot. Um, he's going to be a superstar one of these days in NASCAR. Uh, but it does make it very boring when he's winning pretty much every race, which I can't blame him for that. Like, Unfortunately, now it's just Max Verstappen, but only turns left. Yeah, basically. Um, so, and that's the thing. Like, I don't want to bash on Jesse because Jesse really is a good dude. Um and he he really does have a lot of talent. He just doesn't have a lot of competition right now to make yeah. it exciting. I mean, nothing against the dude. Like, if you're fast and you can drive the car as fast as you can, by all means, drive it as fast as you can. But more of a shame on everybody else to mm -hmm. get a little faster. Come on. Which I've heard some reasons why that is that we're not going to delve into on here. But... um yeah, it's um, it's an interesting state uh, that Arca is in right now. Dark um, with the spicy opinions this week. No. <laughs> okay. Garth, spicy opinions, never. No, he would never. I'm I'm a good little boy, and I only say good things about Arca. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna pump the Arca brakes on that little. That's right. Spiel there. Arca loves me. I'm Arca's favorite person. Well, you're the only person that covers Arca. So. Not the only person. Maybe well. the only one on YouTube, but yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, now, it, now it is what it you're is. Just, you're just a YouTuber and you don't write news articles. Now you don't get to do anything anymore. No, that was a NASCAR decision. That wasn't Arca. Arca, does, Ar Arca, Arca actually does is thing. still... Arca actually still doesn't care. Arca will still let me in. <laughs> uh, yeah, Arca's golden boy. That's right. <laughs> the black sheep of the Arca media family. <laughs> uh. Anyway, um, solid truck race, though, as well. I know we talked about SVG, but solid truck race on Friday night as well. Um, I don't know that there's much to talk about there, though. It was just Ty Majeski ran away with it. Um, which yeah. I, I wasn't really surprised by because he was very fast last year and unfortunately um, got snubbed and didn't quite get the win that he probably deserved last year when Grant Infinger won. 
he comes back and absolutely dominates this race this year and by far was the best truck out there. Christian Eckes was fast and there was a couple other trucks that were fast, but nobody was really in a league with Ty Majeski all night. He was he was the class of the field. Won both stages, won the won the won the race overall. Like he was just there wasn't anybody that was gonna touch him. Yeah, there was some good racing at the beginning of the race, but I like I watched the uh TV coverage highlights and like all of stage two was just we started and then we ended and that was pretty much it. Yeah. He led a total of 179 laps in this race out of 200. The only other drivers that led laps, Christian Eckes led the first three laps and Corey Heim led 18 laps very early on from lap 22 to 39. From lap 40 to the finish, Ty Majeski led every lap. Jeez. Yeah. I don't know what he's got figured out at IRP, but he he's got IRP figured out. That's your favorite track. You figure it out and go beat. Yeah, right. <laughs> now I I do also want to give a shout out to Lane Riggs. He was in the seven truck for Spire. Super fast. Like that's a kid that I don't know is on a lot of people's radar right now, but he has an immense amount of talent. He's driven a lot of different trucks at this point. Never really gotten a full time ride more than like a race or two. Um, this is, I believe, his first time that he was in the Spire truck. Super fast. Finished in third. Uh, that kid's got some talent. And, and if Riggs sounds familiar to you, that is Scott Riggs' son. I was going to ask. Yes. So, uh, super talented. Um, and hopefully he gets some more um, quality rides going forward because I think that kid can do a lot of things. Yeah, it's nice to see Nice to see Riggs back as a name in NASCAR. Mm -hmm. uh, that one brings back some memories. <laughs> <laughs> right. Had a really uh, cool uh, Valvoline number 10 Scott Riggs, like Cars version of Diecast mm -hmm. a while back. <laughs> right. Um, William Swalich was also fast. He ended up in sixth, just outside the top five. But he is, uh, he's showing that he's got the talent too, as long as he's in the right equipment, which I don't know that he's been in the wrong equipment ever since he showed up in trucks in ARCA. But um, definitely showing that he is there and uh, has the talent to do things. Actually outran his teammate Corey Heim, which Corey Heim has pretty much been the top uh, Tricon truck every single week this season. So um, interesting to see a different Tricon truck outrun him uh, maybe for the first time. It can't be for the first time this season, but it's the first time I can remember. Yeah. Well, speaking of diecast. If everybody doesn't go to Lionel right now and pre-order the Michael McDowell race win diecast for Indy and it doesn't get put past. Oh, it'll make it. I'm going to smack the crap out of a bunch of people. I need that thing. Now, I'm I'm not saying this as an excuse to not pre-order it because I, I will pre-order it and I hope everybody else does. But the only diecast or the only race win diecast in recent memory that have DNP'd have been Denny Hamlin race wins understandable yeah so <laughs> i'm pretty sure this one's probably safe but just in case yeah go pre-order it <laughs> i need my athern car yeah right uh that is pretty cool i wish they still i wish csx still sponsored him and maybe that would have been oh uh, can cool you imagine csx on the hood of an athern car i know right that'd be so cool well, no, they were separate sponsors. Like, there was a full CSX scheme at one point. I know. It was really cool, and I wish I had diecast of it. Yeah, I know. I do have diecast of it somewhere around here. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel like I could say that to just about everything at this point. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, I got a diecast of that. All right, so the Xfinity race this weekend. Ty Gibbs completely moving on. That. Yeah. Ty Gibbs. Any, anyway, what are we moving on to? Anything past the Xfinity race, because that was really boring. Yeah, there wasn't much going on in the Xfinity race. Um, Cup race, though, was actually really interesting. Um, and to the folks saying that we needed stage cautions, you're wrong. Um, this race played out exactly as it should have played out. Um, I would have been extremely frustrated if McDowell, who had clearly the best car, was the fastest driver, earned that victory, 
got screwed because of cautions in this race. There was one caution for this entire race at lap two. Outside of that, it went green for the rest of the race. If we had had some restarts, that would have been more chances for someone to do something stupid and take McDowell's chance of winning away when he deserved that win. Not every race is going to be the most exciting, beating and banging, everybody's wrecking for the lead. And I don't understand why anybody would want that, to be honest. Like, some races like that are cool. I'm not going to lie. I do like seeing some races like that. But there also needs to be races like this, too, where it just naturally plays out. The strategy has a chance to play out without cautions. There was still good racing in this race. I mean, Chase Elliott was catching him at the end. I think McDowell was just playing it safe the last couple laps, making sure that he didn't make a mistake. So that was probably why Chase was catching him at the end. But regardless, we still had a decent race for the finish. So, no. No more stage cautions. In fact, we need to get rid of stage cautions at every race. Road courses this year have shown that we can still have stages. Like, it's a part of the point system now. Like, it's hard to get rid of it when it's this tied into the point system. But, we don't need the cautions. And road courses this year have proven that. Well, here's an idea for you. How about all the tracks that we go to twice a year? We make one have stage breaks and the other race not. Just for a year. See how it goes. Then we can make an informative debate about it later. Okay. I, I don't think that's the worst idea. Um, I thought you were going to say my idea has always been if we have two races at the same track, uh, just run one race counterclockwise and run the other race clockwise. Oh, that's, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. I've been uh, told yeah. that <laughs> is not feasible, though, because of the camber of the tires. Okay. Doc. So put the right tire on the left side and then there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's a more technical answer, but I'm also pretty sure that with the previous generations of cup cars, that was probably true with these. Take a sledgehammer at the setup and come back and go the other direction. That might work. Yeah, that's true. It just might. Because these cars are supposed to be symmetrical. Yeah. Honestly, though, I don't know that we need to be at any tracks more than once a year at this point, except for maybe Daytona. Like, the second Daytona race is kind of entrenched at this point, but yeah, now that it's not move 4th it back, of July yeah, anymore... Move it back I, 4th of July weekend, and then, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, unless it goes back to 4th of July, I'm not sure it's even really that imperative at this point. Like, unless it goes back to being a 4th of July tradition, I could probably do without it. Yeah, which I don't know why we moved away from that being a 4th July tradition, because that just seemed like one of those things that should have stuck, you know? Because they wanted it as the last race of the regular season. Because that's an amazing idea. They wanted the excitement. I mean, that's that's literally what it comes down to. That That's the reason they moved it away from the 4th of July, because they wanted Daytona as the last race of the regular season. That's just, it's so stupid. Mm -hmm. might as well go to Daytona for the season finale too and do the season opener regular season finale and end of season like well you know what's funny is they call the Daytona 500 the Super Bowl of NASCAR even though it starts the season mm -hmm. you could make it the last race and make it literally the Super Bowl <laughs> god that would be such a mess can you imagine mm -hmm. like four guys trying to go for the championship at the end of the season they'd Daytona. all be wrecked by the end of the first stage oh yeah definitely <laughs> God, that'd be miserable. It would be a mess. There would be five cars left at the end of the race, and if three that. of them would would look like they just came out of a scrapyard. And two of them would be missing a wheel or something at that point. <laughs> yeah. It would look like the clash from, was that 2020? Where Christopher oh, yeah. Bell won with that mangled car. Or was that Eric Jones? I think it was still Eric Jones in the 20 at the time. Yeah, where he won in that like super mangled car. Yeah, and it was him and then Denny Ham on like 10 car lengths back and then the rest mm -hmm. of the cars because none of them have any aerodynamic pieces anymore. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I think right, that so, was 2020 because they went to... That was the last year they did the clash on the Oval 
They did the Daytona road course for the clash for one year in 21. And then they went to the Coliseum in 22. So yeah, that probably would have been 20. Yeah. It would have been right before COVID. So they did have a little interesting nugget of information on the TV coverage for the cup race because Mm -hmm. of Michael McDowell winning. That was the most laps led by the number 34 car in any NASCAR race since the first year of NASCAR, 1959. So it's the most laps the 34 has ever led or the 34 led more laps than that in a race in 59. Yeah, in 59, the 34 led more laps than McDowell did, and that's the most Hmm. since then. I mean, he only led 54 laps, so that's kind of saying something. Yeah. The the 34 34. has not been super successful. He's won in the 34, too, before, so. Well, one time at the Daytona 500, and he only led the last lap. It's the only one you need to lead. It's the only win you need to lead? It's the only one you need to lead. Tyler just had a stroke. <laughs> nah, you just can't hear. Nope, we're gonna play that back yeah, now. Yeah, okay. It's the only one you need to lead. That is that is exactly right. what you said. Whatever. <laughs> that sentence still wasn't as bad as Joey Logano's race this weekend. No, that's true. But he's always been bad at the IMS road course. I don't know what it is. He's not super good at road courses in general, is he? No, and then you give him a big braking zone, and he just goes sideways every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. he's uh, he's not very well versed in how to run road courses for the most part. You would think with NASCAR being the most diverse racing sport on the planet that you could figure out how to brake for turn one by now, but nope, I guess not. I mean, he's a two-time champion and still doesn't have road course skills, so does he really need the road course skills? No, and that's my argument with the playoff system is you don't need to be good on every mm-hmm. type of track right now because if you win one, then you just do okay until Phoenix and then somehow pull a rabbit out of your ass of Phoenix and then you're good to go. Not necessarily till Phoenix, till the round of eight. Okay, that's you, you've got you got to be good in the round of eight. But yeah, I, I see your point and I agree. That's the flaw with the playoffs at this point. You just kind of have to run. You, you got to win one race in the regular season or run well enough that you point your way in, and you just got to kind of run average through the first two rounds, and you don't really have to turn it on until the round of eight, which doesn't really feel like a championship season to me. Just, like, go to the round of eight to begin with, Mm -hmm. with the playoffs or something, I don't know. Yeah, just start them with eight. It's a stupid idea anyway. The, The whole playoff system is just dumb. Yep. I mean, I th- I really think we just, if we're going to have the playoffs, we need to go back to 10 drivers. 16 is too many. Yeah. But we'll just not do it. Well, that too. But I don't think that's going to happen at this point. We've got, nope. the playoffs I don't think are going away at this point. So we've just got to find a way to make them bearable. Good luck with that. I did do a video on that a couple years ago, what I thought would be the perfect way to do the playoffs. Um, I don't Can remember the details video now. down yet. No, it's still there. Um, I don't remember all the details that I had on there. I'd have to go back and watch it. But um, I, I pretty well had it laid out to where I feel that it, it it could be the best of both worlds. It still could feel like a full season championship, but you would still have the excitement of the playoffs. So, yeah, I'll, I'll have to go back and find that video somewhere. I think I made that whenever Harvick got eliminated in... 2020 after he should have won the championship pretty sure that was when i made that that's where gar's like villain backstory started that's right it got bumped out of the playoffs i think it is i think that's really when i started to uh i think that's when arca started not to like me because that's when i started to really complain about things that um i saw that were problems i think that's where it all started to go downhill Garth just ended NASCAR after Kevin Harvick got bumped out of the playoffs. <laughs> That's right. Oh, just call me the Joker of NASCAR. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. We'll uh we'll do IndyCar recap really quick and then move to predictions. Um an okay race at IMS. It was pretty I mean, it was all right. There was a good battle for the lead at the end of the race, which we haven't seen a lot on that track before. Scott Dixon got spun in turn seven on lap one and came back and won the race. So now we have another spin and win story. 
Um, Graham Rahal had a good return to IMS. I, I know it's not the oval, but after getting bumped from the field for the Indy 500, he came back and got the pole for the IMS road course round two this year. Um, had a good race, finished second, and was chasing down Dixon at the end of the race. I think if he had maybe two more laps, he probably would have got him. Um, Newgarden got caught up in the wreck and turned seven on lap one, and he's definitely out of the championship hunt now. Um, it's 101 points between Pillow and now Dixon in second, so it it, it we're done there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex Pillow had more contract controversy, which I didn't know was possible. Um, <laughs> like last year, he tried to sign with McLaren for this year, and then Ganassi sued him because he was still under contract with Ganassi, so then he dropped the McLaren contract, said, I'll just do it in 2024 instead. And then now this week informed McLaren that he will not be honoring the terms of the contract that he hasn't signed yet and will not be racing for them in 2024. <laughs> so now McLaren's mad at him and Alex Pillow's management agency had made an article this week that said they're not going to be a part of his career anymore. They already jumped ship and left. So I don't really know what Pillow thinks he's doing. I think, with McLaren, he thought he could get into F1 and then realized that they were always going to promote Pato Award before they promoted him. Mm -hmm. um, which really, like, I hate that Pelot's using IndyCar as a stepping stone to F1. Um, go do something different. If you want to be in Europe, go to Europe. Yeah. Um, or just should have gone to McLaren when they started. Um, so I don't know what he's going to do next year. He might come back to Ganassi. He might not, but depending on what Pelot does next year will set the tone for where a lot of other drivers will be on the grid next year, seeing as to how the Ganassi and McLaren cars are probably two of the most coveted seats right now, and Pelot has ties to either one of them, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I think... He, uh, since he's trying to get into F1, I think he's going about this the wrong way. I think he's making it harder for himself to get into F1. So He's burned a he, bridge with one of the top three teams in F1 right now. Yep. So he better get used to being an IndyCar because I don't know that he's going to F1 at this point. Yeah, unless uh, there was a rumor that Logan Sargent's going to get dumped from Williams and then Pillow's in line to take that seat, but I... This is just me. I would rather be wiping the floor in IndyCar than getting mopped up in F1 in a Williams. Right. Um, another little interesting nugget for IndyCar for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Jack Harvey got sacked from Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan. So Connor Daly will be in that 30 car for Gateway. And they haven't announced the drivers for the other two races this year, but I assume it'll be just random whoever it won't be Linus Lundquist because he's under contract with Meyer Shank. Um, I'm interested to see who Ray Hall pulls out for the last two races of the season. It would be cool if Daly got a full-time ride again, but I don't see that happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see this may goes. be his way to it. And, and RLL showed this weekend that they can be competitive for wins. I mean, Graham got very close to winning mm -hmm. on Saturday. So this might be the opportunity for Connor. Yeah, I would say Connor is of similar talent to Graham. So if that car is working for Graham, they can probably figure it out for Connor. I think Christian mm -hmm. Lugard is probably better than both of them, but doesn't show it three quarters of the time for some reason. Um, so yeah, we'll see IndyCar silly season is going to be ridiculous this year. And we have like a whole six months to think about it until the first race of the next season. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where everybody goes and see what happens. Definitely. So I think it's time to, uh, move on to predictions. Now we got a lot of racing happening this weekend, mostly from ARCA, three ARCA races this weekend. Main ARCA will be at Watkins Glen on Friday. That'll be 6 p.m. Eastern on FS1. Saturday, ARCA West will be at Evergreen Speedway in Monroe, Washington. That race will be 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific on Flow Racing. 
And then Main Arc will be back in action Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central from the Illinois State Fairgrounds for the Dutch Boy 100 for the first of two of the mediocre dirt races this year. <laughs> we don't have entry lists, so we're not going to predict for those. Um, NASCAR, though, Xfinity will be at Watkins Glen on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. on USA. Tyler, who you got for Xfinity? I'm going to go with Cole Custer. I think he has a definite shot at the race win this weekend. Watkins Glen is a fairly similar track to Portland, in my opinion, as far as like elevation and just the different types of corners. And he was really fast in Arca and Xfinity at Portland. So I think this will translate to Watkins Glen. All right. Solid choice. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Mayer. Finally picked up his first win a few weeks ago at Road America. Was very fast this weekend at the IMS Road Course. So I think Mayer picks up win number two for the season this weekend at Watkins Glen. Cup will be Sunday at 3 p.m., also from Watkins Glen on USA. Tyler, who you got for Cup? I'm going to go with Tyler Reddick. He's been historically fast on road courses. Hasn't really been able to put them together this year. Uh, he ran up front a little bit this weekend, IMS, and I think he'll be able to put it together at Watkins Glen, maybe pick up a win this season. I feel like I'm going to the dark side here with my pick. Um, I'm going with Chase Elliott. Now, I wouldn't have made this pick before this week uh, until I saw how close he came to winning at IMS. I wasn't convinced he was in a position where he was going to win a race before the playoffs started, but as fast as he was at IMS, and he's won at Watkins Glen in the past, I think he can put it together this weekend and finally sneaks his way into the playoffs. You're going to rewind last week when you were calling me an idiot for picking him last week. I know. I'm eating my words. I know. I know. All right. And then the SRX season finale will be Saturday night on ESPN from Lucas Oil in somewhere in Missouri. I don't remember what town, but somewhere in Missouri. It is a dirt track. Um, entry list will be Elio Castroneves, Clint Boyer, Marco Andretti, Haley Deegan, Brad Kozlowski, Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, Kenny Wallace, Ryan Newman, Jonathan Davenport, Ken Schrader, and Ernie Francis Jr. Tyler, who you got for the SRX season finale? I'm going to go with Ryan Newman. He's like definitely going to win the championship this year for SRX. Oh, yeah. But... I think he's going to cap it off with a win, and then we're going to get a cool trophy presentation in victory lane or something. Okay. That would be cool. Um, he was very fast at Eldora, ended up P3. I'm just not convinced he's good enough on dirt that he's going to be able to beat the likes of some of these actual dirt drivers in the race. I'll have you know I almost picked Haley Deegan for, like, creativity points and because you she's know that really good at Eldora. You know, that actually wouldn't have been a bad pick. She almost won at Eldora. I know. She went from the rear to second. I, I mean, yeah, I'm very impressed by that race and hopefully she can do it again and prove my pick wrong. That's one thing I've been saying for a couple of years now is people like to poo-poo on Haley because she's not done great in trucks, which she hasn't. I'll, I'll give it that, but she's not been bad in SRX. Like she hasn't won a race, but she's had races where she's been extremely fast in SRX and showed that she's got the talent. She just needs the right equipment under her. And I'm not sure she's had that in trucks, even though she's been with these big teams, even though she's been with big teams in trucks, I don't know that she's been getting the preferential treatment in these trucks. Cause a lot of these teams definitely have tiers of, certain trucks are better than others, and I think she's gotten the short end of the stick on what trucks she's getting most of the time. Well, I would argue that trucks don't really translate to any other car super No, you're well. exactly right. They don't. Um, and she was she was pretty decent in ARCA. She wasn't great, but she didn't have the best car in the field, and then she, was, she won multiple times in ARCA West. So I think there's something there, and I think a lot of people are giving up on her too soon. Either way, I'm not picking Haley. Now that I think about it, maybe I should have, but <laughs> I'm going to go with Kenny Schrader. Uh, again. Yeah, again. Well, he was fast in Eldora Quit picking until, the same guy until week, Newman Garth. put him in the wall. Quit picking the same guy every week, Garth. Uh-huh. Yeah, this, this isn't a Zane Smith-Tyler <laughs> situation. Either way, 
I think Schrader actually picks up the win this week. He was super fast in Eldora and I think would have contended for the win had Newman not put him in the wall. So we'll see if he's got a car to race this weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So that is our picks for this week. And I think that's going to do it. So at that, enjoy the races from Watkins Glen, Evergreen, uh, Springfield, Lucas Oil, everywhere in between this weekend. And we will hopefully see you next week. Same time, same place. At that, I'm Garth. That's Tyler. And this is the Rookie Stripes Podcast on Racing News Now.